that uh, is true. We want to meet with him. Who wants to meet with him this morning? Sometimes your answer might be no. Do you know that? Sometimes it might be, mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I want to meet with him this morning. I did go for a walk on Friday morning. Like Mark said, he has huge influence on us as a staff. So we started walking in the woods because we thought that was what the holy people do and what we need to do in order to encounter God. So I went to Silverwood Park in, uh, I think it's New Brighton, St. Anthony area. And you really can't go far. It's really not the woods. The picture just makes it look like the woods. But I always was in sight of a building and a car and other people. But at the same time, it was still uh, a time of trying to dial down. You know, I pack up. My husband has had rotator cuff surgery, so he's home 24-7. And for an introvert, sometimes I need some space and some solitude. And he totally told me I could tell you this. And so I just really honestly, I just need to get away from him. And so... Um, And if you come to church to work, you know, sometimes there's other people around and there's things that need to be done. There's a to-do list here when you work here, just as much as there's a to-do list at home. So I thought, okay, I'm going to pack up my stuff and I'm going to go to Silverwood Park and I'm going to walk and I'm going to just be with the Lord at this park. They have a cute little cafe. You can get coffee and lunch. And I was there from like 8 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. And um, while I was there, I tried to dial down. I can't tell you, I was distracted all the time. You know, I have my intentions. My intentions are, okay, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to open my laptop. I'm not opening email. I'm not connecting to the internet. I've got my Bose headphones that I got from Santa on, and so I'm not hearing anybody around me. There's a large group meeting there for coffee, and I'm focused. And I see the little Chrome icon down in the bottom, (laughs) and I click on it. And I'm like, oh, I'll just check real quick. Then it'll be off my list and I won't have to, you know, two hours later, I haven't even touched today's message. And it just is so easy to get distracted and and to not come back to Jesus all the time. And so as we focus on encounter over these weeks and we focus on encounter um, this, this next week. So we've got last Wednesday, this Wednesday, the next Wednesday, and the Friday that we'll all be meeting together. And then we also have initiatives throughout the week. It's okay that we get distracted. And it's okay that our minds wander away from our encounter with the Lord. It's normal. But what's important is that we know how to get back. Is that we know how to say, Jesus, what?" What do you want me to know? Or we have some kind of a sentence or some kind of a word that brings us back into his presence. For me, it was just the word Jesus. For me, it was like, get up, walk away from the computer, go for a walk, and come back. You know, there's different things that we can do. Because encounter is important. Encounter brings so many fruits to our lives that it's worth the striving to, to stay in a position and stay in a posture where encounter happens. And then when we talk about encounter, what we're talking about is, well, the Webster Dictionary says to meet, to come upon face-to-face, to experience. And one of the largest chunks of encounter and, and how they're defining it is to experience unexpectedly, like as in a battle 
or as in a confrontation or in a negative way to encounter somebody. So it might look kind of like this. (laughs) Ye gads, as Mark Spencer would say. (laughs) And I think sometimes we brace ourselves when we think we might encounter somebody, someone, or we might encounter God. We wonder, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I don't know, you don't have to raise your hands for this, but how many of us, when we don't know what's coming, we brace ourselves? Because you're not sure. And you get, actually fear can enter, and and it can be an obstacle for moving forward ahead with the Lord and whatever he asks of you. Because this is our posture. And we're thinking, I'm not sure about you. (laughs) This particular little puppy is saying, I need to smell your butt first. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That's not in the notes. (laughs) For those who are listening and can't see, there's a picture of two puppies on the screen. (laughs) Last week, Mark talked about disciplines. He talked about positioning ourselves and posturing ourselves in a place where encounter can happen. The things that that are helpful, um, silence, solitude, being in the word, um, slowing down. Did anybody ride in the right lane this week? Look at that, Mark, you have influence. Right? (laughs) You can, yeah, his support group will be meeting later today after the game. And after the nap, um, it was hard. It was a difficult to do that. I, it was for me. I'm like, I'm going to practice this. I'm going to try this. And, you know, did I succeed? Well, maybe I succeeded because I did it. But my heart was not in the right place. I was wrestling with it the whole way. So he talked about this. But those disciplines are really important for us. They're really important when we say we do want to trust the Lord to encounter him in whatever he, way he wants to encounter us. We want to receive what he has for us. Sometimes feels risky. But those disciplines, and sometimes they're called holy habits, are important for us to get into that position. There's a guy named Francois Fenelon, and he says, The wind of God is always blowing. God never sleeps. He's always moving. He's always active. The winds of God are always blowing. But you must hoist your sail. And the disciplines that we do and the holy habits that we have are us hoisting our sails to catch what God is doing. So we're going to talk about encounter today a little bit. And biblically, we're going to define encounter as experiencing the presence of God. That's what we're going to, whenever I say encounter today, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about experiencing the presence of God. Think to yourself... Just check inside and say, can you say, yes or no, that you have experienced the presence of God? Whether you have or you haven't, the truth is that it's available. And the truth is that God wants it to happen for you. He wants to encounter you. He wants you to be in a position that you allow him to encounter you. We were created for encounter. Paul Balash has a song out, and this will date me a little bit, but it came out like in 1999, 2000, and it's called Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. 
You guys, okay, come with me. Okay, a lot, good. And I, will, I promise I won't sing it for you. But the lyrics that open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you. It's based off a, a, a scripture in Ephesians 1. I think it's verse 17 and 18. That, the, that your heart would be enlightened. That the light of Jesus would come in. That the eyes of your heart would be opened and you would see him. Because the good news is that Christ has a habit of showing up in our lives. Sometimes unexpected. (laughs) And sometimes in that still, quiet place that we've positioned ourselves to listen. The magnitude of this topic encounter, I started to study it. And I thought... First of all, I'm like Googling. How many encounters are in the Bible? How many encounters with God are in the Bible? Well, you, I couldn't get an answer. And I thought, well, I've never read through the whole Bible counting them. So how many are there? So I just started to think about it. There's hundreds. Hundreds of them. Hundreds of, of testimonies. Hundreds of stories. Hundreds of places where God is with his people. And God encounters them. All the way from the beginning when he's in the garden with Adam and Eve. And he's walking with them and he's talking with them. And he's, he's in, the, um, in their presence and they're in his presence to revelation. To the vision that John had of the glories that are to come. When we're fully in his presence all the time. Everywhere in between there's hundreds of, present, of opportunities to, to talk about. An encounter with God. So I was asking the Lord about it. And I said. Is there something. One that you want to stand out. And I heard nothing. It was just silent. And then I had this thought. It's too big. Encountering God. And encountering the presence of God. Is too big to isolate. To one way. It's too big to isolate. To one person. It's too big to isolate to one group. There's so many ways, so many means of getting into the presence of God that it would almost be a disservice to say, well, let's look at this one. Because each of us are going to carry a testimony of what it means to experience God. Each of us will have our own story. If it doesn't match with someone in here, does that mean it wasn't an experience of God? If, it, if you're not in the, at the floor of, a thre- you know, at the, of the floor of the threshing field like Gideon, does that mean that you didn't encounter God? If you're not running and hiding in caves, does that mean you didn't experience God? How do you know you've experienced him? It's kind of a rhetorical question because we're going to talk about that. And then I thought about one that... Then the, actually there was one that kind of came popped up and I thought, okay, there's something in this. And it's in Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. The third gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And it's on the road to Emmaus. Verse 13 says, that very day, I think I have it up here. Oh, not quite, but on the, in the, very, the very first part of that says, that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. That very day, what day? 
the day that they found the tomb was empty. That very day, two people were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile walk. So then, of course, I'm in Google, and I'm like, how long does it take to walk seven miles? The average person will walk three to four miles an hour, so about two hours it will take. If you're strolling, it'll take a little longer, like me. If you're walking super fast, like some of you know, your, your partners walk really fast. You can hardly keep up. It'll take them closer to, you know, hour and a half. But that's, they're just walking. They're saying, well, let's go to Jerusalem, seven miles away. Think about where you live. Do you know what's seven miles from you? I don't. I know Rosedale's about a mile and a half. But it, it, that's how long... I mean, I can't imagine they're walking... Or Scott and I are watching a, sh- a show on Netflix. And he's like, they, it's British. And they walk everywhere. They never drive. They're all, he says, oh, there they are walking again. Now it's this joke. Oh, there they are walking again. They're walking to the church. They're walking to the neighbors. They're walking. All they do is walk. Why? Why? Can you imagine how good it is? Why does Mark walk in the woods all the time? Because it slows us down. When you're walking, it's a much slower pace than driving. So they walk everywhere. And it's good for you. So anyways, these guys are walking. And it says here in verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So you have all these people in the Bible that are encountering God. You've got Adam and Eve. You've got Abraham who, who meets with God. You've got Jacob who wrestles with God. You've got Moses encountering God. Gideon at when he's hiding, Elijah, Isaiah, Nicodemus, the rich young ruler, you guys can continue to name them over and over and over, all these people that encounter God. The lame man with four friends, Mary Magdalene, Peter, Paul. And then you have these two. And they didn't even know that they were encountering God. And these two are not part of the twelve. That stuck out to me. I thought, well, they're not part of the 12. And here's what I thought. Encountering God is not exclusive. Encountering God is not exclusive to an elect group of spiritual people. Encountering God is not exclusive. It's an all-inclusive invitation to a life with God. So where and how do you encounter him? Because it's possible. I have a friend. We have a good friend. Mike Bradley, who sees Jesus in coffee. And I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) Every morning he has coffee time with Jesus. He shares his thoughts from his coffee time with Jesus. And he sees Jesus, encounters Jesus, when he's having his morning coffee. Is it in a song, a friend's glance, or a hug at the right time? In his word, as Mark Spencer was talking about last week, getting into his word and, and having that come alive for you. Where do you encounter him? In 2005, I was on a um, missions trip to Mexico. And I didn't realize this until Friday morning when I was at the park. That this song, Open the Eyes of Your Heart, Lord, was a song that we prepared as a team and sang it in Spanish every time we went to minister. At all the churches we went to, at the children's programs we went to, um, we would get up as a team and we'd sing, 
Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I can't sing it to you in Spanish, except for I know that there's one part in there that says, Yo quiero verte. Totally botched that. But what we were singing over and over and over, our prayer, our posture, without even knowing it, was, Lord, open our eyes. We want to see you over and over and over, hundreds of times. We would debrief at the end of the night, and we would say, we would sing, and that would be one of the songs we would sing, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. We want to see you. And then there's this part of the song, I don't know what it's called, a bridge or something, where it says, holy, holy, holy. Thumbs up for Renee. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. And that repetitiveness, what does repetitiveness do? It slows us down. When our worship team stops and stays somewhere for a while, do we get impatient or do we enter into it? Enter into that slowness, that holy, holy, holy. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. That night at debriefing, we were praying, and my hands began to shake. I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't stand. I fell to my knees, and I wept, and I wept, and I wept. And I went back to my room, and I was staying with a friend named Jenny, and My heart was beating so fast. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. So I did one of those things when when you're not sure quite what to do. And I went, I I thumbed through the Bible and opened it up at a a place where I didn't know where I would stop. Thinking I was going to get a word from the Lord because I didn't know what was going on. I was a little scared. I wasn't sure. And it opened up to Acts 2. And then I realized God was encountering me. And I wasn't expecting it. But even though I was singing it for five, six days up to this point, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what my spirit was, was asking for and what was longing for and what I was praying for. And then there it was. So I prayed all night. I didn't sleep at all. I heard the roosters crowing, and I thought, oh, okay, I can get up and take a shower. I got up to take a shower, and I looked, and it was 3 in the morning. I'm like, well, I'm ready for the day. That was the last time that ever happened. (laughs) (laughs) Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. Why would we want this? One is because we won't know why. One is because it's just innate in us. We were created to encounter God. We were created to long for him. But here's some other things that happen when encounter happens. Inspiration happens. We get an upgrade in our faith. Moses, the meekest man on the face of the earth according to God, boldly asked to see, to encounter God's glory. Gideon, a man with a weak self-image at the bottom of the social ladder, (laughs) encountered God as he was trying not to be seen. Seeds are never meant to stay seeds. They are made to grow. Likewise, faith isn't meant to just be stagnant. It's made to grow. And when we encounter God, it's like the, the dry soil gets watered and we get inspired. 
and we get, we think, okay, that was God. I can move on. Resolve happens. When encounter happens, resolve happens. We are determined. Empowerment happens. We say, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to do this. The prophet Elijah, here's God. After he's on the run, in the notes, Mark was telling me the story before the service started. He's on the run, and then, you know, all these loud noises come to him, and he's thinking he's going to find God, and where does he find him? He finds him in the still, small voice. And when, then what happens after that? He gets launched back into ministry. Resolve happens. Peter, a backslider, restored because of his unconditional encounter with Jesus. Peter is empowered, and he resolves to follow God at all costs. And he becomes the bold preacher of the gospel on the day of Pentecost. Our little Peter gets that boldness and that empowerment from an encounter with God. When encounter happens, truth happens. We get a bit more of the picture of God's true nature. When we encounter God and he tells us the truth, there's something supernatural, spirit to spirit, that happens that it can't be argued. It can't be argued because you've now met truth. You've met the true truth. Mary Magdalene's experience of Jesus helped her understand what it meant to have a spiritual relationship causing her to stay with Jesus at the foot of the cross, being the first one at the tomb, and the first one to encounter the risen Lord. Why would she do that? Because she knew who he was. She knew the truth of him. She longed to be with him. And then she ended up being the first to give testimony to the miracle of the risen God. Paul had an exceptional rare encounter with God where his mind was renewed his mind was changed and his life was transformed why because he got to see a little bit more of who God really is when encounter happens truth happens Scott has been watching these I've influenced Scott now and he watches documentaries so awesome it's nice to be on the same page with your spouse of what you want to watch on TV and so he's watching a documentary on Keith Richards so the lead guitar for the Rolling Stones, I had to check with him. I got that right, right? Lead guitar for Rolling Stones. So I listen to the Rolling Stones all the time. Who sings in there? Not sure. And so anyways, he's watching this documentary, and this is what he says to me when we're having coffee the next morning. He says, you know, I've been watching this documentary on Keith Richards. And you know what I discovered? He's kind of a softy. He said, I would have never guessed that. Being the lead guitarist in a rock and roll band from the 60s and even earlier and, and on. And, you know, I, and the way he looks and the way you, you see him in pictures, you would think he's really super tough. But when I was watching this documentary, I realized he's kind of a softy. When we spend time with people, when we spend time getting to know them, when we spend time with God, truth happens, and our perspective will change. Our perspective of who he is will change. When encounter happens, our eyes are opened. And this is one of my favorite things about encounter with Jesus. When encounter happens, transformation happens. When encounter with Jesus happens, we are no longer the same person. 
You see, having an encounter with God is more than a distant admiration. It's more than an emotional high. When I was in Mexico and the emotions were flooding because I had no, I couldn't control, I couldn't contain them, which I was really good at. But when I couldn't contain them, it, the experience was more than that emotion. The experience and the reason I know it was an encounter with the true living God is because I wasn't the same anymore. I was different. There was something in my spirit that had resolved. There was something in my spirit that said, this is God and he cares about me. This is God and he loves me. This is God and he sees me. My perspective of God changed. My call to serve him had more resolve, had more promise in it, it had more inspiration, it had more hope. And of course, you know, when we do these things, we're human. So then my pendulum swings to like, whoa, you know, where's all the Pentecostal church I can go to? You know, and, you know, but the Lord balances us out. He's so gracious and good with us. But transformation happens. And that's how you know you've encountered the real God. It's worth it. It's worth the effort to drive in the slow lane to get into the places that you need to get into so that you will encounter him. The, um, the last, not the last thing, but one of the things that I thought about then too is our posture. And I thought about Morgan and I thought about Kim. And I asked Kim permission. I didn't ask you, Morgan, because I knew you wouldn't care. But what happens when, when a man proposes to a woman? Sometimes, not always. I asked Morgan, did you get on one knee? It was one of the first things I said. He goes, yeah, I did. Why? Why? Good boy. Pure pressure, that's why. <laughs> Kneeling is appropriate during prayers, including wedding vows for some faiths. Kneeling is also done to genuflect when entering a church or temple. When proposing, kneeling can have the same spiritual connotation and be seen as a sign of respect. We posture ourselves in a way to encounter God out of respect. Honor. Knights kneel when being awarded honors from kings and queens. This can be, hold true for a proposal of marriage and can be seen as honor. And surrender. It's premarital class 101. Uh, surrender. Bowing in supplication before a victorious enemy is typically seen as a gesture of surrender. When proposing, a couple commits to one another and surrenders oneself to being part of the couple. Your posture before the Lord communicates something. It communicates something to him, but I don't think it's necessarily for him. It communicates something to ourselves. Are we showing respect? Are we showing honor? Are we showing surrender? The ideas of goodwill, honor, and trust is that another person is opening one's heart completely to another without shame or any physical defenses. Is that our posture before the Lord? Because he loves being with you. The Lord loves to be with you. 
when I was on my walk and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want us to know? He said, tell them I love being with them. He loves it. He created us for it. He created us for that encounter. A friend of mine, on Tuesday, last Tuesday, was telling me a story. He was following God, doing what he thought he needed to do. He was taking the steps that he needed to take, and he was, he was planting a church. They didn't have a building to be in right away, so they, they were just meeting in homes, and they didn't know where to go and what to do, and so they were planting this church, and they were just walking along. They were driving in different things, and they were conversing with people. We encounter God through our conversations, too. If you're watching for it, it happens a lot, and... Someone had said, well, the community center in our area just opened up. Why don't you go over to the community center and and see if maybe that might be a place for your new church plant to meet. So my friend walks in the door, and this is how he tells me the story. He walked up to the lady at the counter, said, you know, I'm pastor in the area where church planting. And the lady behind the counter said, I've been waiting for you. I couldn't stop thinking about that line immediately in the conversation. I'm like, that is the greatest story ever! You know, high emotion, high reaction. And then the more I just let it settle and the more I thought about it, the more I asked the Lord about it, I didn't really get a direct answer, but I can't shake it. I've been waiting for you. I think the Lord is always in that posture for us waiting for us to encounter him and come to him and and put ourselves in positions and try new things have you ever kneeled before him before if you haven't try it have you ever laid pros flat on the face with on your belly try it if you haven't left lifted your hands just try it see if it helps See if it does something that helps you get into a position not for the sake of behavior modification but for the sake of encountering God. Because he's been waiting for you. For anyone who's seeking for God, I'd like to encourage you. Encourage us. I think he's closer than we think. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God that's living and active and you want to encounter us you want to be with us. And I thank you that you're waiting for us. You're waiting for us. Lord, as we take an offering, I ask that you would bless that. And as we go back into worship, I pray. that we would check our hearts, whisper your name if we need to, to get back to this place right now in this moment. I pray, Lord, that we would encounter you, that you would encounter us. That we'd know you're here. That we would experience the Emmanuel truth, that you are here.
Lord, if we need to kneel, would you help us move to do that? Thank you that you want to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.